one thing that I think we're probably all aware of is it's one thing to know that something is important and it's another to actually live like something is important. So probably for most of our lives, we've known that washing our hands is important, but now over the last year, we've really been living like washing our hands is important. Um, uh, another one for me has been, you know, we all, all knew, I expect that, you know, being around each other and having time together, uh, whether as a family or as a church family, or that's important, but now we really get on a deeper level that it matters. I know that for me, uh, the sunshine and having decent weather is important, but I've been appreciating it on a whole new level, certainly this spring more than any other after what felt like an endless January. Um, to suddenly be able to go out and get some sunshine on your skin feels good, right? And so it's one thing to know that something's important, but it's another really to live out from that place. And I want to talk about something that is, that is really foundational for us as we seek to follow Jesus, and it's reading the Bible. And it's developing a habit, a, a practice of coming to the scripture often and reading it. And I'm very aware, as I say this, that for those of us who've been following Jesus for a little while, this is nothing new. And it may well be that you have already a, a kind of a really life-giving habit of reading your Bible and you're kind of already there. Um, it may be you're watching this and you've just become a Christian recently or you're just exploring Christianity. Uh, probably for most of us, though, we're somewhere in between those two extremes. And uh, we, we know it's important, but we don't always live like it is. And our, our, um, our personal Bible reading, it can sometimes struggle, uh, it can ebb and it can flow depending on what's happening in life and, and things like that. So I'm thinking of this for myself as a bit of a, um, I find that I just need to remind myself every now and again, then of, of why this matters. And so that's what I want to try and do um, for all of us, for our own personal relationship with God as we read the scripture but also obviously in the background of this is the fact that for us as Soul Survivor Watford this is foundational you know we're not just making this up as we go along uh, we are we are seeking to discover what the scripture teaches about who God is and then we're looking to live that out that's our ambition and that that foundation of the Bible is behind everything that we're we're attempting to be and to do so why does it matter why does reading the Bible matter the, um, the simple answer to that is reading the Bible should matter to us because it mattered to Jesus. And for, for Jesus, the scripture was really deeply important to him. And this is something that has surprised me, actually, as I've, as I've re-looked at it again. Um, in many ways, it surprises me because, of course, Jesus, as well as being fully human, is fully God. And we're told in, in John's introduction to Jesus, in John chapter 1, that Jesus is the Word, the living Word of God, made flesh. And for him, the scripture would have been the Old Testament, that was his Bible. But uh, you would have thought that if anyone could ignore the written Word, it would be the living Word. And yet he doesn't do that. It's, it, he does exactly the opposite of that. It's like he pays more attention to the scripture than anyone else who has ever lived. Um, I think of it a bit like if you were to, to bump into Lionel Messi out and about and you saw him studiously looking at this book and you saw the title of the book was How to Score Goals. You think, why, was, why would the greatest footballer on earth need to read a book about how to score goals? 
or if we bumped into Bear Grylls and he was reading a book about how to survive in, in extreme environments. We think, why does Bear need to be reading this book about that? It's like he's the expert on that. Or if we bumped into Mike and we saw that he was reading a book about how to cook ridiculous quantities of food and eat crazy amounts of food. We think, why would Mike, who is the world's greatest expert at that particular thing, why would he need to read a book about that? And uh, it, it, it's kind of like that. It's like, well, if, if, if these experts, we would think if these experts, the world's best, are reading that on that subject, then man, there must be something good in that book. And if Jesus Christ, the living word, the, the incarnate son of God, is reading the scripture, then what does that say to us about the scripture? And... It's not just that he was, he was reading it in a sort of a, I'm a mildly interested in what it says kind of way. It's that his whole life, think about this, his whole life was defined by the scripture. It was what he sought to live out. And, and so right from the start, it, it, you know, it's no accident that he begins his ministry in Luke chapter 4, in a synagogue where he, he stands up and he unrolls the scripture, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah in this case, and he reads from Isaiah 61 this kind of uh, defining sort of mission statement really about what he's going to do. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and bind up the brokenhearted and freedom for the captives. And He reads scripture and then he goes out and, and fulfills it and he puts it into action. And, and it's not just that one isolated moment, but really the whole of his life, the arc of it from the very beginning to, to the, the resurrection is him living out scripture. So the events of his birth took place to fulfill the scripture. And then again and again and again, whether it's with his actions uh, or his miracles, he's doing them to fulfill the scripture. When he talks about the cross, he says it's necessary, this death and dying in this way is necessary. Why? To fulfill the scripture. It always strikes me that at his, his moment of greatest agony when he is dying on the cross, um, that sort of supreme act of self-giving love that cost him everything, what's on his lips in that moment of agony? Scripture. So when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting from the scripture. Psalm 22 is what's on his lips in his dying moments. And then when he's resurrected, it's not that it stops there. It's that then he, when he's resurrected, he bumps into the two disciples who are walking on the road to Emmaus. And, you know, he starts a conversation with them. And we're told that what happens is that they're, they're just so discouraged about what's happened to, to Jesus. They don't understand he's been resurrected yet. And then Jesus begins to explain and we're told that rather than just using his own words, he says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained everything that was in the scriptures concerning himself. Then there comes the moment where these two guys, they get that Jesus is the risen Jesus and they turn to each other after he's gone and they say, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened up the scripture to us? And so for Jesus, really, all the way through, Scripture defined his life. And there's one moment that gives us another insight into his approach to the Scripture. And that's when he's being tempted by the devil. He's out in the wilderness. He's been there for 40 days. The devil appears to him and, and throws a series of tests, temptations his way. 
And at one point, the devil tries to get him because he's hungry to, to turn the stones into bread. And Jesus refuses, says, I'm not going to do that. And then he says this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. I'm not going to do that because it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And what he means by that is scripture. So uh, it's not that the, the Bible, the Old Testament, the scripture mattered to Jesus in a, I've got to be a good Jew and I've got to read the law kind of way. What that little saying there, the, the quotation that he's just given, which is itself scripture from Deuteronomy, what that shows us is that for Jesus, this, these words sustained him. We don't just live on bread, we do live on bread, but we also live on the words that come from the mouth of God is what he's saying. Um, in, in the same way that freshly baked bread when you're hungry can sustain you, or, or a, a, a fresh water spring in the desert when you're hot and you're dry and you're thirsty can sustain you, or um, a, a lamp that shows you the way that guides the, the, the path in front of you on a dark and confusing and frightening night can sustain you. What he's saying is the words of scripture, they sustain us. It's like they feed our souls. And the reason for that is, is not because of the words themselves, it's because of where they come from, from the mouth of God. And we want to be clear about what we understand the Bible to be. The Bible is written by human beings. Um, it has to be read in context. We have to use all the techniques of biblical scholarship to help us understand it. And yet let's also be absolutely clear that these words are inspired by God from start to end. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And then I love the way that Hebrews puts it because it says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, for the word of God is living and active, alive and active. The Bible, this is the only living book we will ever read. Um, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. And for Jesus to, to, to pay attention to the scripture and to submit himself to it and to, to, to live it out, it wasn't about that as an end in itself. It was always for him about how that enabled him and allowed him to connect with his father. It, it always came down to relationship with his father. As he surrendered himself to what he saw the scripture was showing him to do, he was surrendering himself to the will of his father. And as he listened to it, he was listening to the voice of his father. And, and that's the point for us. And I think for me, it's taken, honestly, years to really actually get this and not just nod my head when somebody says it, that to read the Bible, it really is about relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's about knowing his voice and paying attention to it and submitting ourselves to his will and enjoying who he is and, and what he shows us about himself. And when we miss that, we go so badly astray. Um, you know, we can turn Bible reading, and I've done this, into a chore, but it's just something we feel like we have to do. We can turn it into trying to get information and trying to get knowledge about the Bible itself. And there's a place for, for studying it in that way. But this ultimately for us, this isn't about information. It always comes back to rev revelation. And it always comes back to relationship 
and knowing him. Um, and, and so as I've come back to, I want to remind myself about why reading the Bible matters. I've just, I suppose, been saying to myself afresh, this is not about, I've got to develop a habit of Bible reading. This is about, I want to know his voice. This is about, I'm insecure. And I need to hear what he thinks of me again. This is about, I'm struggling with doubt. And I need faith. And I know faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So if, I'm, if I want to have faith, I want to come back to this. This is about, I want to know God as he actually is, not how I can assume he is and what I think because of my upbringing and this and that and the other. I want to I meet him as he really is. And so for all of those reasons, mainly because I want to know him and be in relationship and be close to him, I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to read it. That's why. Do you want to hear his voice? This is the place we hear it speak. Not the only place, but the place where he speaks with most authority in the scripture. And um, the question can then become, well, if that's true, how? how? How can we go about reading the Bible so that we hear him? Because I don't know about you, but I can hear, I can hear a talk a bit like this, where we talk about how, oh, reading the scripture is amazing. We hear the voice of God and you know, he speaks to our insecurities and he helps our doubts and he guides us and he answers our questions. And then you can wake up on a Monday get the Bible, you're already half asleep anyway, you open it up and you fall fully asleep. Or you open it up and you end up reading a list of names that you can't pronounce and then you close it and go to work and it can end up feeling like, well, I didn't hear the voice of God. <laughs> I didn't feel like he spoke to me. It didn't feel like there was a closeness there. So how do we read it in a way that's really going to feed us? And there are, there are different ways of approaching this, but I just want to suggest one and it's based on Psalm 1. And this is the first psalm that you, you come across, and it says, in just right at the beginning of it, this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Who meditates on his law day and night. And that word meditate, do you know, literally, it can be translated chew or gnaw. Think of like a dog gnawing a bone and that sort of crunching sound it makes as it tries to get all the, all the marrow out of the middle of the bone. It's that kind of word. It, it's, it's a chewing on, on the scripture word. And, um, and so if I was to, I suppose, suggest an approach, it's the one that I'm trying to do more and more, is... To, is it's good to study scripture, but studying scripture is analyzing it. And there really is, there's a real important place for that. But meditation is not so much about analyzing. It's more about relishing. It, it's more about savoring and enjoying the word of God and what it says. So I would suggest that all of us as a church, uh, we take the same approach to scripture as Mike takes to his meals. And we, we all know that there are food critics 
Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched something like MasterChef. Food critics, their, their job is to come along to critique, to analyse, to stand above the food, to take a little bite of it and to kind of weigh it up and say, oh, I don't really like this, that's too bitter, that shouldn't be like this. And sometimes people can have that approach to the scripture. Um, but it's, we don't want to have that sort of approach. That approach is not going to feed us in any way. I loved what Mike said a couple of weeks ago when he said, what, what's happened to the way that we approach scripture? So often it's like we come to scripture to judge it and really it should be judging us we come to the bible to read it and of course we read it but let's not forget that it's the role of the living word of god living and active to read us and the way we practically do that is we don't approach it like a food critic sniffing and tasting and dismissing those parts that we don't like but we come like mike does to a meal hungry and ready to be filled and i have had more meals than i can count with him and i can tell you how they usually go we sit there he prays the shortest grace I've ever heard, but it's deeply heartfelt. He says, thank you, Jesus. And then he just enjoys it. Whatever the food is, he will savour it. There won't be a single morsel that's wasted. He will comment on it. He will point things out. He will say to me, Andrew, this olive is like a little piece of heaven. He'll say, you should try this drink. It's delicious. It will blow your mind. Like we, there's an enjoyment factor. And I've been trying to think, okay, when I approach the Bible, am I approaching it the way that Mike approaches a meal? I want to just soak this up. It's not about memorizing a passage or anything like that. It's about internalizing a truth. It's about digesting it and getting it not just in our, in our heads, but all the way into our souls and all the way into our hearts. You know, the word meditation Sometimes what that can do for us, because of our culture, is it can trigger thoughts of Eastern meditation. But this is, this is so different from that. Eastern meditation, what that's about, is it's about emptying your mind. And it's about becoming detached from everything. Christian meditation is not about emptying the mind. It is a, it, what it is about is it's about filling the mind. Filling the mind with his truth filling the mind with, with the revelation of who he is that we meet in the scripture. And it's not about detachment in any way, it's about attachment. It's about becoming increasingly attached, increasingly uh, walking hand in hand with him. And that happens as we meditate on his truths. And the honest truth is I think we have to meditate on them and we have to chew on them because they're so hard for so many of us to really grasp to really believe for whatever reason it might be the main one is because his ways are not like our ways and so we, I think as we've said so many times in the last few months I think he's like me sometimes so I struggle to believe that he forgives and that's why I have to meditate on the verses that talk about anyone who comes to him he forgives I struggle to believe that he loves me unconditionally because in our world, that's not how love works usually. So I've got to meditate on the fact that he chose me before the foundations of the earth. And I have to come back to that again and again. It staggers me to think that the God of the universe would call me his son. It, it, I, I struggle to take in the fact that the one who knows how everything started and knows how it all is going to end also knows my name, little Andy. He knows my name. I mean, that's, that blows my mind to, to, to do that. And I, take, I find that hard to take that in. But that's there to enjoy. 
that's a truth that brings incredible freedom. That sort of, that just when it gets in your system in the way, in the way that healthy foods, superfoods, when they get in your system, life just goes all the way through your body. It's like, man, if I can just absorb this truth, this glorious, wonderful truth, then boy, will that flow all the way through my life. So almost, I feel like we have to meditate on it. We have to gnaw on it and chew on it in order to digest it simply because it is so glorious. And then really practically, having said, let's meditate on the scripture. Let's approach it like a meal. Let's fill our minds with it. Really, really practically, what helps as we seek to do that? As we do develop a practice or a habit of coming to do this daily, there's a few things that I've found to be quite helpful. Um, one is just to recognize that 90% of success when it comes to this sort of stuff is just turning up. Uh, it's just keeping coming day after day after day. It's not about intensity, it's more about consistency. And what we'll find is some days we'll read the scripture and something will really hit us between the eyes. Uh, other days we'll read it and it won't. Um, and that doesn't matter. I think it's just about coming back again and again and again. There are some meals we've had over our lifetimes that we will never forget. But most of them, we can't remember what they were, but they did do as good at the time. We come back to it, 90% success is turning up. Another thing that I found helpful is it helps to have a really simple plan. Um, you know, if, if our plan for engaging with the Bible is only church on a Sunday, or is only following some Christians on Instagram who post a couple of Bible verses every now and then, we'll probably find that we struggle to, to really absorb all the goodness that there is available to us. And so just to have a simple plan, even if it's just, I'm just gonna read this book just a little bit at a time, just a little paragraph at a time. I'm gonna read Philippians, I'm gonna read the Gospel of Mark, but just to have a simple plan and then stick to it is also quite a helpful approach. One thing that I've also found with it is repetition has a real value. I don't know if you've ever um, found that you read something, you just don't get it the first time around, and you read it again, you read it again, uh, and then suddenly you see, you see what it means. It's like you have a eureka moment. Well, well, sometimes just doing that can be really helpful. I remember when I was at school, this is a bit disgusting, but I used to chew hubba bubba, uh, buy it with my pocket money, and when I got to school, you weren't allowed it at school, so I would take it out and stick it behind my ear, and then later in the day, I would peel it back off, pluck out the hairs, stick it back in my mouth and carry on chewing. Um, and, uh, and in a way, you can treat the Bible like that. I know that's a ridiculous illustration, but it's like you can, you can take a verse at the start of a day just for five minutes while you have a morning coffee and just ponder it. Just, just think where it says, one, one I've been looking at recently is at the end of Philippians where it, Paul says, uh, you know, my God can can supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Wow. So we can take that at the start of a day and just sit with that for five minutes over coffee. And then when we have a lunch break, you know, we can, we can dig that verse back out. What did it say? We've probably forgotten by lunch. Let's dig it back out. Let's have another look at it. Let's just sit with that again. What does that mean? The riches of his glory. What does it mean that he can supply all my needs. What does it mean that they're met in Christ Jesus? And then just before we go to bed, why not instead of the last thing we're looking at being the news or Instagram, why not dig that verse out again and just sit with it just for five minutes again? What does this mean? What does this mean for me? 
Repetition has value. And then the final thing that I've found that I'll say to finish is, do you know what makes a real difference as we seek to do this? Is to do it with some friends. Is to get a friend, a mate, who, who's also keen to just go for it with reading the Bible a little bit and, and absorbing some of the glorious goodness in it. I say, why don't we do it together? So one of the most fruitful things that have, I've been doing in the last six months has been, I've been reading through the Bible with a friend and we're just picking a book here and, and there. And then every night before I go to bed, my job is to send him a little Marco Polo, which is a little video message about the little passage that we had for that day. And I say what I saw in it. And then he sends me his little message and we can compete to see who, you know, how far we can go without missing a day and all of that stuff. But really it's just about doing the journey with somebody else. In the same way that when you watch a film, certain things stand out to you and you can point them out to the friend and, they, and vice versa. They'll see things that you don't see. And, and, and we're made to do it together. And almost the enjoyment is doubled when you're discovering it together. Like Mike and I will often read books together and we'll text each other quotes and things like that. And have you read this? And what did you think about that? And it's almost like um, the wonder of the truth becomes greater and, and our grasping of it becomes firmer because we're talking about it and because we're doing the journey. This is what I finish with. God is not reluctant to speak. We often think he is, but he's not. Um, He's keen, he's eager to communicate with us. And our role is to listen. And a big part of that, not the only part, but a big part of that is opening up the Bible and opening up our hearts. And as we do that, day by day, what we will find is it won't always be fireworks, it won't always be spectacular, but little by little, day by day, we will grow in our ability to hear him speaking to us through his word. And what that will mean is we come alive again in a whole new way. And really we begin to do the journey more and more in intimacy (coughs) with him.